Welcome to the nature-backed podcast of Single Earth. In this series, we are talking with investors about their visions of the new green world. My name is Tarmo Virki, and in this episode, I am talking with Madeleine Larson from Giant VC. But first, a message from our sponsor. Hey there, I'm Merit. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Single Earth, and we are building a nature-backed currency to empower you to fight against climate change and biodiversity loss. Sign up at Single Earth and be among the first to switch to a truly sustainable, nature-based economy. And don't forget to join the discussion around climate change and biodiversity loss on our Discord channel. Enjoy the show. Hello, Madeline. Uh, nice to have you on the show. Hi, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, you're coming from the giant VC. I mean, is it as big as the name sounds, or how how does how did was the company founded? It's it's not yet as big, but we are very ambitious. So hopefully, at some point, we will become a a giant. And I guess how how we see it is that we want to back the the giants of of tomorrow which we see as our portfolio companies. But I guess Giant's mission is to back purpose-driven founders trying to solve the world's really biggest challenges using technology. And we, we champion entrepreneurs that are creating a more sustainable, equitable, resilient planet. And we do that by investing across three core themes. So climate, health, and what we call inclusive capitalism, where climate is really our, our biggest bucket or our biggest theme, so to say. And the, the fund was formed by two former founders, Tommy Stadlin and Cameron McLean. So we're a fairly entrepreneurial place and we are an ex- supported by an experienced advisory board and a global venture partner group. So, for example, the Unity founder, David Helgeson, Lord John Brown, the BPCO turned climate investor and the former, former UK foreign secretary, David Miliband, just to, to name a, a few. So. And at Giant, we believe that the, the largest companies of the decade, so the giants of tomorrow, will really be built by, by these entrepreneurs that are solving the biggest problems. Mm. And we firmly believe that you can deliver systemic change and do markets beating financial returns at the same time. So you don't need to sacrifice one over another. Mm. How big are you or how long are you on the road of uh, you know, finding those giants? How many companies you've invested in or how big is the fund in total? So we got started back in, in 2020. So I guess we've been actively investing for about a, a year now. So we're coming towards the end of our first fund and we're currently raising our our second fund. But our overall goal is to deploy a billion dollars into to purpose-led technology in the 2020s. And we're kind of on the on the path to do that. Wow, that's a lot actually, a billion. It is a lot. We're very ambitious. We think it's there's big problems to solve, and I think we think we need technology to to solve it. So we mm. really see the the opportunity, and we really think that you know these companies will make significant change on in the world. Mm. Uh, you're raising the second fund. Uh, you know now when we are recording it, it's uh, late May in uh, 2022. Um, is it a good time to raise a fund? Excellent, <laughs> excellent question. I think you know, of course, it was a, a better environment to to raise a fund uh, before we saw kind of the market pullback that we're currently seeing. You know, we're not gonna we're not gonna shy shy away from that. But uh, you know, we do hope that there is fundamental support for purpose led technology and, and climate tech. Right. So we are kind of progressing well with our our fundraise, and we have amazing support from our current LPs. They're kind of doubling down into our new fund. Mm. 
that's uh, that's good good to hear. I, mean, I think that uh, pro- there's probably many of the companies who w- will be struggling at least to some extent uh, going into this. I don't know bear market, downturn, market crash, whatever you call it. Uh, yeah. The uh, um, and and I think the climate is something which you know at least uh, from the, from the sense of it should be in a way resilient because the problem is not going away depending on the business cycles or anything like that. Yes, I think that's the I think that's the hope. I think we will you know the climate tech as a sector will for sure see challenges just as other sectors will. Uh, you know, for example, there's. There's some, you know, in some software side of, of climate tech, there's for sure some quite punchy revenue multiples out there, right? So we will need to see those come down. And also we will, you know, companies will need to deliver revenue. That's kind of just the, the fundamental part of it. But, you know, there's fundamental support for the sector, right? I think there's a lot of, of corporates that are made very punchy net zero targets, right? There's an increasing regulatory pressure. And then, of course, Due to the Ukraine war, I mean, we're seeing a a big uh, acceleration towards new energy that that's needed, mm-hmm. right? So I think there's a lot of innovation to to come, but it will also have its its challenges for sure. Mm. Uh, you mentioned this energy topic in general because the Russia's attack on Ukraine, ha- you know, energy prices have done, I don't know soared, and Europe has suddenly suddenly woken up and uh, start to think that maybe the Europe needs some kind of energy independency plan. Do you see mm. do you see this already already impacting on the startup sector? Do you already see that you know, I don't know, maybe startup energy startups raising money on uh, high evaluations or maybe the the kind of emergence of the new wave of the young startups in the energy sector. I think this for sure increasing focus on this sector and I think when when kind of investors start to focus on the sector you also kind of automatically see more startup in the space and you know people are coming up with with new ideas because they see that the that the funding is there so I think both from an investor focus perspective but also on kind of a a national and political level right I think nations just need to focus on their kind of energy independence and and accelerate their own renewable strategy right and I think that's that's very supportive but also from a a consumer perspective um energy has become very expensive right mm. and I think there's no better motivation for a consumer to shift their behavior than cost right mm. so i think we're seeing many consumers is trying to be more energy independent maybe installing solar panels for example um where the new technology is actually becoming on par with kind of traditional energy due to the to the high uh, price increase mm. Uh, your relatively new fund. Uh, how how many companies do you have in your portfolio already? So we have around twenty uh, to date. I think it's around nineteen or so. Mm. Uh, and you said that the climate is probably the biggest focus. Or how do they kind of go across the sectors? Yeah. So so climate is um, over fifty percent of the of the fund. And then we have roughly kind of half half split in the, in the two other themes but then within climate we also um invest in quite a, a broad range of subsectors if you will both on the software side but also on the on the hardware side so we invested in anything from you know a, a carbon marketplace that's connecting corporates to farmers to use regenerative ag to create um, carbon sinks in the soils to 
water resilience and, and water risk platforms to a, a decentralized uh, marketplace for, for climate data to, to fuel innovation, to kind of, you know, electrification and, and EV enablement and, and those kind of topics. So we, mm. we do, we were quite broad based. Mm. Um, I mean, I've heard even even broader based uh, explanations on the climate tech investments. Somebody somebody was uh, pitching the idea of a software company, which uh, which basically not directly but uh, but indirectly uh, decreases the need for travel as a climate tech startup. Uh, which um, I mean, you could, but uh, to me, it sounded a bit like far-fetched to do it. You know, to look a bit more green than they were, kind of, in essence, were. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think climate tech is quite a hot space at the moment, and there's for sure, you know, a lot of capital following that sector. So you see a fair amount of of startups trying to greenify, if you will, or, or trying to maybe try to be more climate friendly than. And maybe they are. So I think as investors, you also need quite a you know a robust mental framework mm. and, on investment. I think Greenify would be a great startup consultancy. Yeah, <laughs> I think yeah, I think in the green space, there's a there's a lot of consultancy opportunities for sure. You know, with mm. all the kind of measurement and, and regulatory pressure coming. Mm. What's your take on the kind of B corporations' net zero targets? Are they something which? Uh, which will change the change the world, or are they something which you know enable maybe let's say um, capitalist-minded traders to buy up credits and sell them in twenty twenty nine, and uh, so everybody would be happy. I think it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting question. I think it's a it's an interesting space. Um, I think in you know in in some ways we. We need to, you know, help funnel money where where money is maybe best served. And you know, if you take the voluntary carbon markets as an example, it's of course you know incredibly inefficient and, and quite broken in in many ways. But still, you know, corporates are making big net zero targets, and they will kind of need maybe some help before they can actually you know really solve the fundamental problems in, in their supply chains etc et and it is a good potential for for money to be funneled to the right projects right with with emphasis i think on the on the right projects mm. so i think that whole sector is going to see um, a big push towards stricter requirements on additionality and verification just to really make kind of the efficiency of funds much higher in that space because I think it's currently quite low, which is which I think is not great, right? Mm, absolutely, absolutely. The uh, the other part of the equation is of course that uh, you know the essence of carbon offsets are they actually something which is you know used as you know we did bad now I'm paid to the church and the church will tell me I wasn't actually bad uh, or mm. ho- what's the kind of kind of indulgence indulgences is the word I was looking for. Uh, are they actually indulgences for the big corporations or, you know, how much of the good happens? Exactly like you were saying that uh, key fact is that uh, the money is actually funneled to the good projects, right? Yeah, I mean, I think in, in reality, you know, in reality, it just makes sense. It, it depends. Sorry, it doesn't make sense. It depends. Mm. And, and you know, you can have a, a similar argument around kind of ESG frameworks. Uh, absolutely. Right? What is actually the, the outcome of some of these things that are being done does it actually have an impact right or is this kind of is this policies is this processes or 
or is it just kind of giving money to to carbon offsets that actually you know maybe should not have been created in the in the first place right so i think there's there's definitely like misuse if you will in 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 some of these sectors but you know if done if they're done right Mm. they still have a, a purpose right exactly uh, yeah, as you mentioned the ESG, I do have an impression that uh, the biggest beneficiaries of ESG are the consultancies selling the <laughs> services to the big corporations. Agreed. I very much agree with that. I I actually sometimes think that it's uh, it's almost a bit scary, kind of how much capital is going to be funneled into to kind of admin and, and mm. consultants that should actually be used to developing you know new technology that could actually change things on scale. Exactly. Uh, going back a little bit to the giant VC in a more detailed way, out of those 19 or 20 investments, are they all Europe-based or are they, you know, I don't know, UK-focused or how is the geography? So we are transatlantic, so we focus on, on US and Europe. So, so far, we, we are approximately 50-50 US-Europe, okay. but we can also uh, more selectively invest outside of those uh, geographies. So, for example, Africa has, has quite a big inclusive thesis of course so that's mm. the space that we will very selectively mm. look at but predominantly it's it's uh, uk and and europe and in reality it probably becomes uh, us uk and the nordics because that's where where we are based and, and that's where we are from i'm mm. swedish I, myself mm. absolutely that does have an impact of course but at the same time looking at the Euro- map of europe or the map of european startup hubs UK and Nordics are covering quite a lot of it already, much more kind of punching above the weight clearly compared to the to the rest of the continent. Of course, UK and continent, I mean, that's a long discussion we should not get involved in, right? <laughs> that's a good point. Um, what about the stage? I mean, uh, if you inve- kind of plan or vision investment of billion over the 10 years, then uh, uh, it's probably across stages, I would assume. Yes, yeah, so so we are multi-stage, but we kind of split our our pockets in, in two. So we have a seed fund where we do investment in in pre-seed seed stage, and then we have a, an early growth fund where we typically look at Series B onwards. So we almost skip Series A a little bit. We we do kind of uh, invest there from a, a very optimistic um, mm. uh, way. What's the logic there? Why skipping the Series think- A? I think um, Series A's can be quite uh, challenging from some investors. It's hard to kind of get the strategy to to make sense, because especially in, in this kind of booming market that we have seen at Series A, it often gets quite expensive and, and the rounds are quite large, but it's not that de-risked, right? You don't have that much more data. In, in some cases nowadays, you don't even have a have a product. So if you you know if you focus on seed, it doesn't always make sense to 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 kind of do the A. Mm, I understand. Uh, of course, at the same time, of course, if you if you have invested in seed and you and you see a good progress, it kind of makes uh, you know often probably sense to also be involved in the A round. Yes, of course, we we do follow on with mm. with our our companies, mm. and then once we get to the to the B round, we then have the kind of the separate early growth fund that mm. could also invest in in our winners, so to say. Mm. Uh, if you look at the kind of climate tech sector and more widely today, where do you see maybe the biggest opportunities now when we are in in a bear market? So I think I think there's some some big opportunities to be had in in home electrification and kind of EV enablement. As I, as I mentioned, I think 
consumers will be pushed to kind of going green and it will be more affordable of going green than it kind of ever has done before. And I think some of these sectors still has their challenges. Like the EVs is, is projected to become huge, right? And it has huge potential to also um, decarbonize the world. But, you know, things like range anxiety, for example, is still very much real among consumers and, you know, lacking charging infrastructure or financing options is also very much real. But I think this is an area where we are seeing a lot of technology being built now. So I think it's it's an area that we can see some significant change taking place in more the, the near term rather than maybe some of the you know 10 to 15 year timelines that we look at in, in maybe other type of, of climate technology. And uh, <clears throat> that's also the field where you know the geopolitics probably have had the most direct impact on the consumer decision making. Yes, uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. But I think there's, you know, if you look at home electrification, the future of your house, I think is an interesting, it's quite an interesting uh, topic to, to look at because you need to kind of decide how everything is going to go together. If you have a heat pump, if you have an EV, if you have a home charger, if you have solar panels, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's still a lot that needs to be, needs to happen for all of this to, to go together. And then, of course, there's a, a dependence on, on government subsidies in, in some of these sectors mm-hmm. and you need to kind of build you need to build the whole solution really for the mm-hmm. consumer and, and really have the, the argument that it will be cheaper for them all. Mm-hmm. I recently interviewed somebody in this series who said that we are really excited about the heat pumps. Nobody would think that investors would be excited about the heat pumps just a year ago. Yeah, for sure. No, I agree. Heat pumps are <laughs> heat pumps are great, right? I think we're seeing a a lot of of uh, technology and also on the installer side, which is something that that you know you don't always think about but there's a lot of consumer demand but who is actually going to install the heat pumps and mm. solar panels and the ev chargers there's kind of a some ways like a, a lacking skill level there so there also needs to be a, a kind of a, an education or you need to to find uh, good installers that are reliable that can do this in a good way mm. so that you know your house would not burn down and so on the, the, exactly. classic, the classical small challenges exactly mm. exactly uh Going forward now, uh, you know, from May 2022, um, some of the most grim forecasters are talking about the years of the uncertainty and, the, uh, you know, the slump only beginning and plump, so on and so on and so on. What's your view? I mean, go, you know, you're in the beginning of the uh, raising for the second fund. Uh, how do you kind of look at the impact of this um, macroeconomics on for you guys going forward yes i think i mean i i focus quite a lot on on early stage now right but my background is more on on public markets and also the the ipo markets which i did over over several years and you know my my view is that it will get very challenging for some startups right like things became quite crazy over the past couple of years and we're of course starting to see down rounds Mm. now but i think we will see much more of it and i think we will also see that pressure kind of trickle down not only to later stage but also towards the the earlier um stages right so i think you you know i think i, I, I still want to be opti- optimistic right because of course that's that's my job as an investor and of course there is also a lot of capital that has been raised right especially over the past six months or so some very large funds so i think the firepower is still there I just think that that investors will maybe be slightly more critical 
than they have been before. Um, and as a startup, you will need to to also you know deliver, maybe deliver faster than mm. uh, than some had to do uh, so far. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> is there anything positive we could you know wrap it up on? <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> I, mean I, I think your uh, kind of mission, what we are talking about in the beginning, was was sounding really positive. Yes, I don't mean to be negative. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Just the world around us is a little bit more negative than it was, you know, in April when we are recording some episodes. Yeah, no, of course. So, I mean, I, I would say that I am still, you know, pretty excited about the, the opportunities in in climate tech, and I think there's some real positive momentum being built in that sector specifically, which I think can can really you know, make a see it, take a more grossly approach to, to the world going forward. But there's a there's a couple of things that's currently happening in climate tech, which I think is really great. So the, the first one is, of course, availability of climate dedicated capital, as I touched upon before. Mm. But also, secondly, I think we're seeing a, a wave of the, the very best entrepreneurial talent wants to be purpose driven. They want to solve very real world problems and they want to spend their time in, in the right way. And I think we're seeing a huge wage wave of these founders uh, founding some some really excellent companies, and I think that's going to be really exciting to just continue to to follow them. And then I think thirdly, consumers are starting to care about climate tech. You know, consumers in the newer generations care more than the the former generation. Mm. This will create pressure on on corporates to to do better and and to do more. Mm. Um, and then lastly, I think that the climate investment ecosystem is really evolving in, in very positive ways. There's a lot of, of climate groups being formed, which creates a really healthy debate around some of these topics, right? But also, you know, inspirations, and it's great forums for both climate founders, but also investors to meet with kind of like-minded peers and feel supportive, which I think can create a real acceleration in in climate tech um and of course there's also groups like i'm part of the climate mosaic for example where we are targeting to to support underrepresented founders especially in climate tech which i think is also hugely important um because i mean we need to remember that the climate is hard it's really really hard so we will need very diverse minds and diverse backgrounds to really come together and solve this but I am, I am quite positive that a lot of change will be will be made, and mm. and I think we will see so much exciting innovation in mm. climate going forward. I I absolutely agree with you on most of those points. I think the only one I would challenge a little bit is the one you are making about the the consumer shift. Mm. Um, yes, I mean over the last year or years, we've seen the kind of youth becoming much more uh, kind of environmentally conscious, conscious, and so on. But mm-hmm. uh, but I think classically in the downturn, people's w- first worry also for the young young people first worry will be, you know, their salaries or getting food food for, from the stores and so on. Uh, I think probably some of those choices will uh, suffer. I would suggest, depending of course on the on the kind of depth of the depth of the downturn and so on. Yes, I mean I, I think you're right, but I still think that that people choose climate higher up compared to costs than they maybe have done before. I mm. think it's going to be more on par. And when we see climate solutions being cheaper, I think there is a scenario where we could actually reach the sweet spot for consumers. Absolutely. I think that's a good point to finish it off. 
Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Madeline, for the for the chat today. Excellent. And maybe if I could just take the opportunity to mention before we go. Um, so, any Danish climate tech founders out there? We are currently live with a, a giant climate prize where we want to back the most ambitious Danish entrepreneurs, and they can win up to five million Danish kroners. And we're doing this initiative together with the Danish Sovereign Green Future Funds. And we have a really exciting council of judges as led of some of the most successful founders of, of Danish tech companies, like the founder of Pleo, the founder of Gani, the founder of Sendesk. So it's a really great opportunity if you're if you're starting a, a climate startup in, in Denmark. So please do apply on giantprice.dk. And how do you define the Danishness? Do you need to eat this uh, Danish uh, sandwiches or the snowbird? You mean? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you need to you need to enjoy pickled herring to apply. No joke, <laughs> jokes aside. Um, you you don't need to be based out of, of Denmark, but either based out of Denmark or a Danish uh, founder. Okay, good. Thanks. That's uh, clear. Now everybody with a great climate tech startup, go and find yourself a Danish founder, and apply for the prize. Exactly, exactly. Looking forward to hearing from everyone. Yeah, good stuff. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Join us again for the next episode. Thank you for listening. If you like the show, please give us a good rating and leave the feedback in your podcast player so others will find it too. We will be back next week. Turn on to Nature Backed Podcast. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Yeah.